China's top nuclear weapons lab is using American-made microchips for its research. That's despite grappling with U.S. sanctions for decades. The chips are made by American giants like Intel, NVIDIA. But how does the communist regime get its hands on the sanctioned tech? Under the restrictions, Chinese companies have turned to resellers to get the chips, some of them openly available in one of China's largest online marketplaces, Taobao. What do you think of the workaround, and what should the U.S. do about it? Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Ellie Hart, in for Tiffany Meyer. Beijing evading Washington's sanctions. China's top nuclear weapon research agency has been getting a hold of U.S. microchips, even though access to them is restricted. Some of the chips used for research related to nuclear stockpiles. NTD's Julia Song has the details. Despite U.S. sanctions, China's top nuclear weapons lab has been able to get hold of American microchips in recent years. That's according to a report from the Wall Street Journal. The Nuclear Research Institute is called the China Academy of Engineering Physics, or CAEP. It developed China's first hydrogen bomb and has been under U.S. sanctions since 1997. Still, it has been able to acquire U.S. microchips in recent years. The agency reportedly used the microchips to analyze data and generate algorithms. Some of those U.S. chips were used for research related to nuclear stockpiles. The microchips are made by American tech giants like Intel and NVIDIA. It's important to recognize that CAPE got these, acquired these chips from resellers within China. Some of these chips are easily obtained from one of China's largest e-commerce platforms, Taobao. They're not the most cutting-edge chips, but China doesn't yet have the ability to mass-produce them itself. The Chinese Communist Party can go around U.S. sanctions. It goes through many middlemen agencies. It uses tactics to obscure the end users of the products it wants to get. This is fraud coming from Beijing. The chips that used by China's top nuclear lab are the same general chips used in personal computers. That's according to chipmaker NVIDIA. The company told The Wall Street Journal that no company can control where every personal computer ends up. China is the world's largest microchip importer. It bought over a third of the world's chips last year. A military expert in Taiwan says tighter restrictions could be on the horizon. I think the sanctions on microchips for civilian use would be tightened if Beijing continues to use those chips for military purposes. Though another expert said it could be difficult to tighten the rules without hurting U.S. companies. When you consider the fact that, you know, a third of the American semiconductor industry sales go to China, at least in 2019, China accounted for 36 percent of sales. Uh, if we are totally cutting off our ICT companies from the ability to supply Chinese vendors making commercial ICT products, um, then we're only harming our own companies. Uh, because every dollar a U.S. company earns from sales in China is one that a Chinese competitor or other foreign competitor uh, doesn't earn. Uh, it's money that American companies don't make, then that they can reinvest into future generations of R&D and innovation. In the meantime, Beijing has been rapidly expanding its nuclear capability. The Pentagon said China's military could have 1,500 nuclear warheads by 2035, up from the current estimate of over 400. The Chinese regime is also ignoring America's proposal for nuclear talks. It also refused to join nuclear talks between the U.S. and Russia. 
It's posing a serious challenge to Washington. Wang said Washington must cut off Beijing's access to microchips for nuclear weapons research. Otherwise, the nuclear threat coming from Beijing will continue to grow. Juliet So, NTD News. A Chinese corn mill project in the U.S. is getting shut down. The mill was slated to be built next to a U.S. Air Force base. Senators released a letter about the project on Tuesday from the Air Force to the public, citing risks to national security. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more. The letter from the Air Force clearly states that the proposed project presents a significant threat to national security with both near- and long-term risks of significant impacts to operations in the area. The wet corn milling plant was to be built just 12 miles east of the Grand Forks Air Force Base. The base houses sensitive drone, satellite, and surveillance technology. The Chinese company behind the proposed project has reputed ties to the CCP through its chairman. Grand Forks Mayor Brandon Bochensky previously supported the project. The mayor said Tuesday the city will meet the federal government's directive to stop it by refusing to connect industrial infrastructure and deny building permits. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, who once called the mill a huge opportunity for the state, also issued a statement Tuesday. He says the Air Force's letter has finally given clarity on the national security implications related to the Fufeng project, and that the top priority is the security of citizens and the nation. The Fufeng Group will still own the 370 acres of farmland they bought in Grand Forks last year. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. The Energy Department is handing out $1.6 million in funding, all of it going to Alanza Tech, a green energy company with links to China. The department handed out funding to 17 groups last week. The dollars are earmarked for biofuel production research. Carbon capture company Lanza Tech is one of the 17. The company is known to have deep links to China. According to its website, it operates three plants in China, tasked with converting factory emissions to ethanol. What's more, it partnered with Sinotech Capital in 2021. That's a clean energy-focused branch of Chinese state-owned oil giant Sinopec. In a November filing, Lanzatech acknowledged that Beijing may intervene or influence our operations at any time. Despite those factors, Lanzatech has received federal funding before. Reports show the company took in grant payments totaling more than $10 million in 2021, months after it joined up with Sinopec Capital. The taxpayer-funded grants have set off alarm bells for GOP lawmakers. They say the investment impacts national security. Wyoming Senator John Barrasso wrote to Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm in December, asking for a review of the Lanzatech payments. He wrote the U.S. cannot afford to keep making the same mistake of enriching China's technological efforts at the expense of taxpayers. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton likewise suggested the White House encourage American energy production and energy independence. The Lanzatech grant could prompt GOP inquiries. Key voices in Washington are speaking out for the right to believe and calling out China for its decades of human rights abuses. NTD's Iris Tao has more from the International Religious Freedom Summit in D.C. This is a God-given right that unfortunately is being trampled on. Highlighting the right to believe, the International Religious Freedom Summit brings lawmakers from across the political spectrum. And we work together, especially on issues regarding human rights. The Chinese Communist Party is conducting an all-out assault on religion. 
At the center of the focus is religious persecution by the Chinese regime. The chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee highlights the Chinese Communist Party's state-sanctioned forced organ harvesting, targeting Falun Gong practitioners and other prisoners of conscience. They have biometrics to, to follow all their people within China. Um, you know, organ uh, transplants where they force people uh, and they sedate them and take their organs out, and, and it's just horrific. The summit also comes just a week before Secretary of State Antony Blinken is set to travel to China. He asked former NBA player and human rights activist Anis Cantor Freedom about what he thinks Washington should tell Beijing. Don't be scared. Call out China for their human rights abuses. Now the whole world knows what Tibetans are going through, what Hong Kongers are going through, what you know, Uyghurs are going through, Falun Gongs are going through. Also at the summit are those who are living through the impact of religious persecution. The 17-year-old teenager is calling for the release of her parents in China, who have been detained for two years for practicing the meditation practice of Falun Gong. The two-day summit will wrap up on Wednesday after featuring more voices from across the globe speaking out for religious freedom. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. China is a global leader in counterfeit and pirated products. That's according to a report put out on Tuesday by the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative. It identified Chinese social media platform WeChat as one of the largest platforms for counterfeit goods. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg tells us more. The report says items from China made up around 75% of the value of counterfeit and pirated goods seized by the U.S. in 2021. The U.S. identified 39 online markets and 33 physical markets reportedly engaging in or facilitating substantial trademark counterfeiting or copyright piracy. The report also alleges WeChat is providing an e-commerce ecosystem that facilitates the distribution and sale of counterfeit products to users. WeChat is China's most popular chat app with more than a billion active users. It's owned by Tencent. The U.S. government added e-commerce sites operated by Tencent and Alibaba to its notorious markets list early last year. Other China-based online markets including AliExpress, Baidu Wangpan, and Taobao are also on the list, along with seven physical markets in China that support online sales of counterfeit products. Alibaba says it will continue to work with government agencies to address concerns of intellectual property protection across its platforms. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. The Chinese regime says it doesn't agree with Washington's decision to put some e-commerce sites on the list, calling the action irresponsible. A woman in Southern California is pleading for authorities' help. She says two members of her family have been detained by Chinese police for practicing a spiritual tradition. Here's more. Shu Kong lives in Roland Heights. Some of her family members are in China, but she hasn't heard from two of them since November. From the beginning of November to mid-December, I tried to contact my sister and nephew, but I could never get a hold of them. Their phone always said they were off. I felt very worried about their safety. Kang's sister, 60-year-old Shu Mei, had been living with her 33-year-old son, Gu Zhang, in Guzhou, a city in northern China, when the arrests were made. According to a notice sent to her nephew's wife, authorities said his arrest was due to him, quote, using cult organizations to break the law. 
They all practice Falun Dafa, a spiritual practice that combines meditative exercises and moral teachings based on truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance. Fearing its growing popularity, the CCP started cracking down on those practicing in July 1999. Today, they are still being persecuted for their beliefs. After not hearing from the pair, Kang said another family member told her they were taken by Chinese Communist Party or CCP police to detention centers on August 31, 2022. Police also seized their apartment and some of their personal property, including their vehicle, computer, and a printer. After I heard of the news, I was very shocked and heartbroken. My tears kept falling because my sister and nephew practice Falun Gong. They were arrested because they are Falun Gong practitioners. Since the arrests, no one has been able to visit the pair nor provide them with clothes or other personal belongings. According to Kang, her sister is in what's known as the city's fourth detention center, while her nephew is in prison in Taiyuan, about 15 miles away from Guzhou City in the third detention center. Kang said her sister and nephew's detentions have left family members even more concerned as the Chinese New Year approaches. After my family heard that my sister and nephew were kidnapped, they felt tormented. They are suffering in pain every day. My 94-year-old father is in agony. He needs my sister and nephew to take care of him. Kang says she has been appealing to local elected officials for help. According to Minghui.org, nearly 5,000 practitioners have lost their lives because of the persecution. The death toll is believed to be higher, as many cases go unreported under China's strict censorship. An update on China's COVID-19 outbreak. Hospitals across China are still overwhelmed, but Beijing says the outbreak is over. The Chinese Communist Party announced over the weekend that the country's current outbreak is coming to an end. But Chinese internet users posted a new round of video clips suggesting otherwise. A resident from northern China's Hebei province captured how a local hospital was packed with patients over the weekend. Locals witnessed a similar scene inside a major hospital in central China's Zhenzhou city. A staff member from a hospital in eastern China's Shandong province gave a similar report. He told us all beds at his facility are currently occupied. We distorted his voice to protect his safety. Now the beds are very tight. All beds are occupied after the Lunar New Year. Basically, the beds are full every day. Given the situation, a resident in Shanghai is calling Beijing's official virus data into question. In Shanghai's Yangpu District Central Hospital, more than 100 people died based on the daily death count. The authorities did not fully report the situation. Many crematoriums in Shanghai cannot meet demand. Official figures are far from the actual situation. A former civil servant also commented. There is no real data here. There's a joke spread among the staff of the Statistics Bureau. Under the leadership of the Chinese Communist Party, all data is false, except the date. Earlier this week, the chief of the World Health Organization said China's COVID-19 death toll is likely much higher than what China's official data shows. Smartphone sales in China took a major hit in 2022. Data shows a record plunge for the year, with sales tumbling 13% to their lowest level in a decade. Here's more on why. 
286 million smartphones were shipped for the country last year. That's a fall from nearly 330 million in 2021. 2022 marked the first time since 2013 that annual sales fell below 300 million. As for smartphone makers, Apple's sales fell in China for the first time since 2020. Though the iPhone held on to its position as the nation's third best-selling device. Chinese consumer spending became more conservative during the past few years under the country's strict COVID-19 rules and hard-hit economy. China's 2022 phone sales mirrored the tech sector's global performance. Worldwide sales for the devices sank 11% for the year, coming in at $1.2 billion. The White House launching a partnership with India on Tuesday. The deal is designed to help them compete with China in areas like military equipment, semiconductors, and artificial intelligence. Washington wants to establish more Western mobile phone networks in India and welcome more computer chip specialists from India to the United States. It also hopes to encourage companies from both countries to cooperate on military equipment, like artillery systems. On the other hand, India relies on Moscow for military equipment and participated in Russia's drills. Washington is not happy about that, especially because India purchases oil from Russia. This is a major source of funding for Russia's war in Ukraine. Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, met with his Indian counterpart Tuesday. Those talks sought to further boost technology ties between the two countries. Here's what Sullivan said during the meeting. The larger challenge posed by China, its economic practices, its aggressive military moves, its efforts to dominate the industries of the future and control the supply chains of the future have profoundly affected thinking in Delhi. The U.S. military is looking to boost its footprint in the Philippines and further deter Beijing. During a high-level visit to Manila on Wednesday, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin spoke with the Philippine officials about stronger military partnership. Specifics include deploying U.S. troops and weapons to more military camps in the Southeast Asian country. This in light of China's growing threat to Taiwan and the South China Sea. It serves to help uh, uh, protect our country and your country uh, in a combined way. And it is is fundamental to our relationships. Manila and Washington signed a mutual defense treaty in 2014. Under it, U.S. forces have access to five military bases in the Philippines. Meanwhile, the Pentagon recently stepped up joint training with Filipino troops. The exercise took place off of the Philippines' west coast in the South China Sea and on Luzon, the island closest to Taiwan. Austin also visited a small unit of U.S. counterterrorism forces stationed in Manila. He described the Philippines as Washington's oldest treaty ally in Asia and a key front in the battle against terrorism. Coming up, on the eve of Secretary of State Antony Blinken's trip to China, Oklahoma Senator James Langford is pushing to expose the Chinese Communist regime's abuses. The Chinese government doesn't like daylight. Uh, they, they don't want people to expose what they're doing on the world stage because they're embarrassed of what they would do. So they want to do it all behind closed doors and say it's not happening at all. But when the world focuses in on it, we do see a difference in China in a response. So the best thing that we can do is shine a light there. Steve Lands, host of NTD's Capital Report, spoke to him for more details. Find out what he had to say after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Ellie Hart. A group of Republican lawmakers asking Washington's top diplomat and Treasury chief to hold Beijing accountable in a letter. 
Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen will travel to China in the coming weeks. The trips will mark the highest level of diplomatic visits by the U.S. to China since 2018. The sentiment of the letter echoed one drafted by Senator James Langford earlier in the week. It called on Blinken to shine a light on the Chinese regime's atrocities, specifically related to those who would have faced persecution for their beliefs. NTD's Capitol Report host Steve Lance spoke to the senator. Senator James Lankford, thank you so much for joining us. Very glad to be able to do it. Senator, you've penned a letter to Secretary of State uh, Antony Blinken just ahead of his trip to China. Uh, you specifically focused in on the issue of human rights, atrocities in China. Uh, why did you do that? So my fear was that uh, Secretary of State would be going to China to be able to talk about climate change, to talk about economic activity, to talk about free trade issues, and we leave out kind of the elephant in the room here, and that is the human rights and atrocities that are happening in China every single day. And I want to make sure they weren't going to talk about economic opportunities and trade and climate issues and leaving out uh, the people of China and what they continue to be able to face under this regime uh, day after day after day. So we, we as Americans should use our diplomatic power uh, to be able to speak in other countries, to talk about free press, uh, freedom of expression, freedom of religion. Uh, we should do that in every opportunity that we have. Uh, when the Secretary of State Pompeo and then Blinken then followed up and declared what's happening to the Uyghur Muslims is genocide, we should take that seriously and there should be consequences for it. And I just don't want them to just ignore that when they go. To your point, so often when world leaders meet with Chinese officials, they lightly touch upon human rights or not at all. Oftentimes people say to the behest of the uh, CCP. Right, and I think that is the issue. Uh, for instance, when John Kerry is talking to the Chinese, it's all about environmental climate change and all those issues. Fine, it's fine to be able to talk about those, those issues, but we should talk about the immediate human rights issues as well. We can negotiate on one area and leave people behind in basic human rights and dignity. And to your point, you mentioned in your letter multiple groups that are being persecuted, religious minorities. You specifically, you mentioned uh, the Falun Gong practitioners. In 2006, it was exposed that live organ harvesting was taking place there, and now we're seeing that happening to the Uyghurs. Perhaps if people were speaking out such as yourself right now, that could have been avoided. Yeah, the, the, the hope is, is to be able to expose it. The, the Chinese government doesn't like daylight. Uh, they, they don't want people to expose what they're doing on the world stage because they're embarrassed of what they would do. So they want to do it all behind closed doors and say it's not happening at all. But when the world focuses in on it, we do see a difference in China and a response. So the best thing that we can do is shine a light there and to say this is inappropriate. No one in humanity should accept this or acknowledge this. This is what the cartels do and the ruthless regimes do. We shouldn't see a government actually supporting this. And for the people that live under communist rule in China uh, that have no choice, no options, no ability to be able to speak out freely. Uh, this is an area that we need to speak on their behalf. Uh, in the biblical perspective that I have, you speak for those who can't speak for themselves, and that should be where we're coming from. Senator, the, uh, it's, it's a bit of an open secret in Washington that the CCP indirectly or directly lobbies uh, Washington, D.C. How do you stop this machine? Again, uh, you've got a very large communist government with a lot of connections to a lot of American businesses. Uh, they're going to continue to say, if you want to do business uh, with the billion people that are in China, you need to help us with XYZ. And so some of it's not formal lobbying. Uh, some of it's kind of around the edges using American companies uh, to be able to do their bidding. Uh, they want to be able to maintain that market share. And so they continue to be able to speak out. The best way to do that is truth and information. Uh, if truth and information is out there, people, people can't just say, we'll just ignore this over here and just pretend that we need a big market over here. 
truth, facts, information that wins the day out. So just exposing what's occurring, like what's happening to the Uyghurs, like what's happening to the people in Hong Kong, as they're losing their ability to be able to speak freely. These freedoms that they've had for so long, they're now just disappearing overnight uh, based on Chinese oppression. We should speak out about that and then we should respond differently. Now, in your letter to the Secretary of State, um, you said, in the midst of China's ongoing barbaric acts of aggression against its own people, now is the time to not look the other way. Why do so many world leaders look the other way? And do you think America will continue to hold on to its role as leader of the free world? Yeah, America should maintain its role as the leader of the free world. Whether we will or not is going to be a decision leaders in the White House and others in Congress are going to make. Uh, there are people now that are turning away from China and turning away from the rest of the world and saying, uh, it's 10 time zones away, why do I care? That doesn't really affect my daily life. Uh, it does. Uh, we are affected by what happens globally in those relationships. We, we, we shouldn't be just an economic issue. It should also be just a basic human rights and dignities. We should care about the, the future for other people around the world. That's a position we've been in as a country for a very long time. And quite frankly, our 250 year now experiment with freedom has shown we're the most prosperous, most successful nation in the history of the world because we have a free press, because we have freedom of expression, because we allow freedom of assembly, freedom of dissent, freedom of faith, and to be able to live that out, that you can have any faith you want, change your faith or have no faith and be respected. That's not true in China for any of those rights and for the people that live under those. And they can't continue to just be able to advertise, look what a great country we are economically, but look how oppressed their own people are. We should speak into those areas. That's the position as a world leader that we're in, is to be able to set the tone. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Ellie Hart. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. Enjoy the rest of your week.